0: Really
1: sure how it goes, but it's sad and it's sweet, and I knew it complete when I wore a the man's clothes. La, 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 Welcome la, into another edition I, of the PBA Pod Podcast. This is a the last BR guest, and who other than to end with the PBA commissioner himself, Gary Aldman. Gary, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing fine. Pod,
1: damn it. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you on. Um, Mike wanted to be here. Unfortunately, he had a, another obligation, but um, I, I do know that, you know, obviously you guys would have plenty of things to talk about because um, you, be, because you guys have been playing for quite a while. My question to start off with you is um, how, how long have you actually been playing OTP Gary? Uh,
0: I go back to 2012. Um, Jason in the, in the ABL was starting up a new league. And like a lot of us here, he recruited us and, and away we went.
1: Very cool. So you, you have been playing for obviously quite some time. um, And we're definitely going to talk a lot about the PBA specifically in OTP, but I do, I do like to, I think it's fascinating to get to know the individuals so um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, why, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, born and raised. What you did for an occupation? I know most people know, but, but what you did for an occupation and, and what you currently do.
0: All right. Currently, I run the PBA. It's a it's a full time job here <laughs> at the at the uh, at the home offices. Um, born in Brooklyn, New York, um, Coney Island specifically, and that was that was like a lifetime ago or at least half a lifetime. Well, for me, it was a lifetime. ago, And went into the police department, did that for 20 years, retired in 2008 at 42 years old, couldn't sit still. So I finished, uh, not finished, but I continued my real estate career. Um, I I did that from 2000 to about 2013, 2014, give or take. Um, Spent a bunch of years uh, with RE-MAX. Um, After that, uh, got burned out with all the regulations post uh, mortgage meltdown Mm -hmm. and the housing crisis that fell apart. Um, the, the, The rules and regs, they just they just they kept changing minute by minute. If you were trying to buy a house back then, God bless you. Um, but it, it was, they made it real difficult on realtors, mortgage brokers. Um, so we, we had to deal with the fallout and it just became, it just became way too much. Um, after that, when we moved here to South Carolina, kids were going to school here, uh, college university of South Carolina that, uh, Mr. Blake or our Dublin dinos, um, shoots pictures for um we decided it, we were spending more time in the car going back and forth and nothing was holding us in florida anymore after we moved down there so we packed our bags and did like uh you know those the, the beverly hillbillies and away we came to <laughs> south carolina in the meantime i was a budding uh hobbyist photographer that ended up bringing my skill up to a level that I could actually make a living from it. So I did that here for better than a year before um, coming down with 9-11 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. So uh, two years after that in remission, we were all cured, still going for tests just to make sure it hasn't come back. But we're... Five and a half years, almost six years out. So, knock on wood, that ain't coming back. But who knows what's in store for the rest of
1: us? That's uh, that's fantastic and uh, fascinating stuff. Um, to somebody that doesn't, I mean, obviously, you know, Jeff is going to totally get it. But you, you, you know, I, I know it's not military, but I do believe, you know, any type of civil service is a you know, basically putting, you know, your community, your country before yourself. So, you know, the 20 years, thank you so much. The amount of, um, you'd already done so much what was it about photography in general? And I know like you said, eventually you got to the point where you were able to make money, but what was it about phot- photography in general that that was kind of, cause then obviously it had to start as a hobby. Uh, and then obviously you got more into it, but I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. Like what led you down that path?
0: Well, there was, it was, believe it or not, it was the same thing with, with, uh, going into real estate. Um, uh, and And that was seeing people smile at the end of the day, based on the line of work I was in and there 's others that 'll mention it um, you know that that 'll probably agree with it uh, whenever you see a cop it 's usually and typically one of three reasons you 're either going to arrest them and ruin their day you 're going to give them a ticket and ruin their day, or their day was already ruined, and they were a victim of a crime. Mm. So you're, 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 you're not really seeing the best part of, of a community as a cop. And it wears on you, and it's frustrating. Um, you try to have fun where you can. That's why there's a lot of gallows humor with, with cops in general. Um, but at the end of the day, you're just not seeing anybody smile. And, and it's tough going in day in, day out having that kind of mindset so when it's a real estate you know what you put a deal together yeah you're going to get paid but you you're you're going to make somebody very happy and you're going to you're going to set them up for for several years um when that was no longer happening that was how i ended up falling into photography um with with that, it was I picked it up as a hobby, um, and just soaked up everything. I was really into it, and I was I was just able to basically absorb everything, retain it, and 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 apply it. And every every time I took pictures, the I wasn't happy with today's set, but today's set was better than yesterday's. And I know tomorrow's will be better than today. And it, and it just kept progressing. It, it never plateaued. And that's, you know, not listening to family and friends saying, oh, you do great work, because what are they going to say? They support you. They, they love you. They're going to they're say whatever. Um, but, but hearing some other people that are actually doing it and pointing out things that were done very well and then some things that weren't, and all of a sudden, you correct the things that weren't, and you end up getting pictures that get
1: published. Wow. That's fascinating. Gary, outside of the, the things that you've already told us, and we all, we all know pretty much in the PBA, anybody that's paid any attention at all knows that you're, you're very much into darts. But outside of darts, and obviously, you know, running the PBA, what, what other things do you enjoy in life at this point, this point in your, you know, your journey?
0: Well, I mean, after, after almost 25 years, watching Islander hockey is such a joy right now. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God.
1: You're like, can God. you please, for the love of God, just put, put, put a team together for me.
0: <laughs> Wait, he did no, but they did. They I just couldn't they keep them. Oh, they did. I mean, they, they get Roberto Luongo. You know what? Great goalie, probably going to the Hall of Fame. But they decide to trade him so they can draft Rick DiPietro, who is having a tremendous radio career in New York. <laughs> you know, he was on the, uh, I think it was Han and Humpty show. And I think it was, Han was one guy and Humpty was Rick DiPietro. And that was, you know, he, Humpty Dumpty. Like, no shit, that that's, was the name of the show for a while. He's got a morning show on ESPN Radio New York um they he they drafted Zane Ochari still playing they couldn't keep him I mean Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) the the torment continues and obviously you're a Yankees fan so so we did a little better with them yeah we have done a little better than them obviously you've uh you're, you're you're definitely a big sports guy that's that's apparent how long, how long have you been following, like, let's, let's say baseball, because, you know, obviously we're here to talk about the PBA at some point, but how long have you been following baseball and um, how tough has it been before, you know, like, let's just say the last uh, 10 years or so?
0: Oh, follow me. I'm,
1: not,
0: I'm not sure what you mean by tough It was, it is. You mean with the Yankees?
1: yeah but you know obviously they've they 've kind of gotten over the hind. I mean, they were they were never the, the the Red Sox per se, but you know they always seem to be like that, like kind of like the the Dodgers were before the last few years, like a team that had an immense amount of talent and would always kind of fall just a hair right. short. always
0: the bridesmaid, like, never the bride
1: correct and they they kind of have figured that out you know, and I think you know in, in large part you know you could say you know Tory had a lot to do with that, you could say that you know, drafting had a lot to do with that, but they've kind of gotten over that hump. But like, what is, you know, when I say Yankees, like what's, what comes to mind? What was your first recollection or first memory, if you will, of, of baseball?
0: Oh, first memory, like, like Like, like 1972, I started watching it. You know, my father was a national league fan. He, he, when he immigrated here, um to him the dodger that he followed the dodgers he lived in brooklyn worked in brooklyn uh the dodgers were in brooklyn the players ate at the the cafeteria he was working at he would get tickets i know i know i have super eight video uh mikey that's that's videotape going way back and it's actually on film you had to get developed um we need to clarify that for Mikey, but, but super eight, uh, my father's got like, he was behind the Dodger dugout, uh, pregame when they used to have play catch down, you know, um, on the foul line by the coach's box. And, and, and I, I remember watching it one time. I remember, I mean, some memories are spotty, um, uh, I remember sneaking out of my bedroom because I wanted to watch the Met game that was on that they were watching in the living room. And I snuck out behind the corner and I'm watching. And that was a game that John Matlack got hit with a line drive. And he was out for a couple months with a fractured skull. It was, yeah. it was just stuff like that. Um, my first game, and I, I said that on one of the, the games I, I did the broadcast for, my first game, I ended up seeing Hank Aaron and Willie Mays on the same field in the same game on the same day. Wow. I mean, you know, 1,300 home runs.
1: Yeah, pretty incredible right there. Probably, and, and, depending and just, on who you talk to, but probably, I mean, I think it'd be fair to say two of the, the ten greatest players of all time, possibly two of the top five greatest players of all time. I mean, that's, that's pretty easily. incredible
0: easily and that's that's post color barrier yeah i mean josh gibson was supposedly phenomenal satchel page <laughs> i mean he pitched forever literally
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's 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 definitely incredible stuff. I, I want to say, and once again, you know, I, I mean, this, this isn't one we're here for, but I do, I find that stuff fascinating. I want to say Gibson had like 900 home runs or something ridiculous like that. Um, you know, obviously rules and things were slightly different back then, um, but it it is fascinating, you know, to – you know, to kind of go back and, and, and just hear kind of some of the stories from yesteryear. Um, I do want to get into the PBA, though, and I do want to leave plenty of time. I, I'm curious. Uh, first, first question I want to ask you about, um, let's just say simulation baseball in general is have you did you ever play any other simulation baseball games before OOTP? And what really like what really drove you to uh, want to play OOTP in the first place? Well,
0: it's – I mean, we ha- I had the, the little, the little uh, game where you, you put Wrigley – it was with Wrigley Field in the spinner, and you, you bring that, that backdrop and you plug it into the, th- into the base of the unit, mm-hmm. and you – <laughs> You know, oh, is, that's a that's home run. No, it's on the line. Like, yeah. oh, come on. But it was fun. Um, it was Okay. And then, then a friend of mine introduced me in, I think it was 1984, uh, could be 85, somewhere in there, um, to Stratomatic. I'm like, all right, let's, let's give it a go. I'll take the Yankees. Who are you going to be? And he's like, Cleveland. I'm like, all right. I mean, at that time, I'm starting Gidry, you know, because who else do you start? He's starting this guy Barker or something. And and before I know it, twenty seven up, twenty seven down, and Len Barker mirrored his perfect game that he had in real life, and <laughs> I was hooked. So much, much like, much like you know OOTP with me, uh, you know, I, I don't do so well when I <laughs> <laughs> well
1: when clearly. I, start out. I was gonna say clearly, clearly you enjoy it though, and you have been playing for a while, and I know it's kind of a running joke, if you will, but. I do want to ask you, because obviously you have a wealth of knowledge about the game. I've sat down, I've talked to you for a while. You clearly know how the game works, and you've played several seasons. And my understanding is you've never won a title. You probably oh have no. 40 or 50 seasons under your belt, whether it be in the PBA or other leagues. I mean, you've played several, several leagues. Um I'm, gonna, I'm oh, just going to ask count the solo leagues. That's right. But I'm saying, so I, I, I'm fair in saying you probably have 40 or 50 seasons at least. Oh, so, easy. so let me ask you, what, what do you attribute that to? Do you think that they're like, have you kind of identified like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not getting the, the high quality pitching that I need or, Hey, you know what? I'm not getting the big bat I need or, Hey, it's a, it's a philosophical issue or I'm just getting dumb luck. Like what, what have you kind of concluded, if you will, over the years, what is causing the the issue from Gary being able to uh, make it to the dance and win it?
0: Well, after, after 50 seasons or 60 or whatever the hell it is, it can no longer be said, I know what I'm doing. Um, it's, it's clearly user error. <laughs> I mean, jeez. geez. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, comical, I mean, Gary, it's comical listen, at this point. Right? I
1: should have tripped into a world. I was just going to say, listen, first. at this point, to use a dart reference, if you closed your eyes and threw 50 darts at the dartboard, you'd expect one of them to hit the bullseye, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> what, what's happening is it, it hits the bullseye and then falls out. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I put together a team that, that should be – doing better than it is. And it's the same thing year after year. Um, You know, like, like we've talked about then Mikey, you know, maybe, maybe it is that I can't get out of my own way. I mean, I, I know that certain things should work certain ways, but yet they're not, they're not doing it. And, and I'm I'm beyond frustrated. Like this team, the way they hit last year and another year under their belt and they're in their primes. I shouldn't be 10th in run scored. I shouldn't be sixth in batting average when last year I was like third. It's like nothing really changed there. I got better people against left-handed pitching, but all of a sudden, like, I I can't help that Tim Johnson's hitting 244 when the guy's been a 300 hitter for me.
1: Well, we talked about that on the last pod, you probably haven't got a chance to hear it yet. But to be honest with you, I have been tracking, he was actually below the Mendoza line. So he's actually gotten really hot the last two Sims. So I I do think you're going to be okay there. But you're absolutely right. Um, And you know, it's funny, because I know you haven't been able to hear the last pod yet. But but another thing that's interesting is, You know, typically in the, in the football and baseball world, they typically say, Hey, you need to wait about three seasons before you can really judge a draft class. Well, last pod, that's what I did. I went back to the 2024 draft. I pulled up the top 53 players, according to my scout and Mike's. So we had some kind of reference because I didn't want to use OSA. And we only looked at guys that were rated three and a half star potential or higher. And you were one of the five draft top, five draft classes and actually you had the 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 latest round selection that was a three and a half star guy and that was tom massey he was a starting pitcher you selected him in the 11th round so it's clearly not a drafting problem no (laughs) it's clearly not a drafting problem um as far as that is concerned i mean you're definitely able to acquire the talent um you know mike says that over the first five or six years here in the pba You've remained relatively healthy, and this is OOTP's way of making up for it the last two years. Do you feel like, okay. like you're almost cursed the last couple of years? Because I've never – now, granted, I've played a much shorter time frame than than you guys have, but I am in six different leagues, so I, I'm amassing a lot of seasons. I've never seen anyone have as many injuries to their pitching staff as you've had over the course of the last year and a half. It It's – I Like last year, I just
0: chalked it up to dumb luck. Uh, Okay, shit happens. I'm okay with it. And then this year, it was like, I mean, at one point, I mean, I got a bunch of guys back, this sim and Mm -hmm. the one today, the one that we just did. And like my my injured list has two guys on it, um, three guys on it. Paul McGuire is available, but he's got a couple days left, so I can't activate him. The other two are on 60-day – they're still on their 60 days. But I I won the offseason. That's the first win. I won the offseason. I added 19 war primarily on the pitching side. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it was a need. Clearly, we addressed it. But we're still 12th in runs scored. Correct. I mean –
1: well, and the bigger and the bigger issue is, I mean, like you said, you addressed the off season and and really hammered on on pitching and your twelfth and starter ERA and eleventh and bullpen or ERA. I know your offense is going to come around, but the the pitching side's got to got to concern you at least a little bit.
0: Yeah, but no. Um, at one point, I had more than half of the, the the I had at least half, and if you include the other two idiots you know the the 9 million i paid one not a be one one on whatever the hell is yeah thank you him <laughs> um, you know for his 23 innings um, i have i got i had what 8 out of 12 13 at one point so you're looking 57 66% of of the the staff i had was triple mm-hmm. a players they were good but they're, they're not they're not here now they didn't make right. the team you know Kane Vargas he should be sent down problem is I don't have another starter yet for him yeah and and that the guys down in AAA are aren't where they need to be and that would be uh, Hager and Hubbard mm-hmm. um you know they're just they're just not there yet and I didn't check and see what they did this past sim to see if maybe they're a viable option. Um, Hubbard had a good start, and then the one before that, he only went two-thirds uh, – oh, because he was in relief. Two-thirds of an inning. I just put him in the rotation, six innings, five hits, four walks. Still too many walks. Right. He's 2-4, two, he's two or at least that's my scout. We'll talk OSA so people can follow along. He's two and a half, four, which let's just split hairs. He's two, he's, he's only half cooked. So his 66 stuff is really 33. His movement's really 25. His control is 35,
1: 36. Yeah. I mean, obviously all those are dynamic. Like maybe his stuff is more developed than his control and that's why he's walking more or vice versa. But I get what you're saying. No, but if I was
0: to bring him, but compared to the PBA, if I was to bring him up, I'm looking at throwing a two-star pitcher out there,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, and and for that, I got two and a half star guys. Then I'm up against the 40-man roster, and I had the I had to call guys up that just shouldn't have been there.
1: You've clearly and, you've clearly uh, had some some issues, obviously with pitching. At one point, like three fifths of your rotation was was on IR. You had three or four relief pitchers that were on IR. You're twenty and thirty-two, which, which honestly, I mean, this is something we just talked about on the last pod, but you know, is actually a, a relatively decent record considering all the the injuries that you've had. But one of the concerns that I have is, is that you know, looking at, for example, like a wild card sl- spot. Now, granted, we're we're only fifty-two-ish games in, so we're about the third of the way through the season, but. You know, right now you're seven games out of the wild card spot and there is six teams in front of you for that second wild card spot. What would it take for New York in order to, to, to really get back in the race? Is it just health? Do you feel like you need better hitting? Like like what what is the recipe for New York to start playing better ball?
0: Um, looking at some of the dynamics, the dynamics of, of what – you know, the metrics they give you. Defense efficiency is 11th. Um, errors are a big thing, and I don't get it because I, this team shouldn't be making errors. They're, they're kind of decent. They're decent defensively in the sense of what they get to, they don't commit the error. doesn't mean they're getting to, to balls in their zone rating, but I thought some of that was corrected with some of the players I had. Like I thought, I think I just sent down Forrestall. He just wasn't hitting, and he wasn't, and he wasn't fielding. It was I just I had to. He needs a little more seasoning, and I'm looking at his stuff now. Um, his own his own rating wasn't bad, minus four, uh, .4. but I like looking at the expanded uh, number. Actually, he wasn't bad. I don't know why I sent him down. He probably wasn't hitting as as we look 252 yeah that was probably it there was somebody i sent down and it, it just it just wasn't going the way i wanted it to um, i think i got lead dhing for that specific reason vincent should be better defensively yet he's he's stumbling as well at shortstop uh the shortstops i got coming up were a little further along mm-hmm. um in itzin and garcia so it just they're just not doing what they're supposed to however i got mostly ground ball pitchers so maybe maybe switch gears go to neutral the fly ball pitchers minimize the effect of the the infield and then run the risk of just giving up solo homers Well, yeah. i'm giving up homers anyway so what the hell's the difference <laughs>
1: You have the uh, you have the number two farm system right now in the PBA. Now, granted, I, I think all the moves that you made this off season tells me that you're kind of in a win now mode, even though the team isn't performing the way that you'd like it to. What do you see? Like, where do you see your realistic window? for being able to compete with teams, you know, like Oakland, which is a little down this year or Vegas, or, you know, even the upstart Palmetto, like what, what is a realistic time frame for when you expect to be able to make the playoffs and this team to be competitive again?
0: I, um, I, I feel they should be competitive now. Um, I, I, I don't get why, why some of this is here. Um, Carl Bent should – Carl Bent at the catcher position, his his overall OSA ranking is is trending downward. Um, Second base is clearly a problem with Waylon Reardon hitting 208, but he got hot towards the end of the sim. But he's hitting 208, big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more now because the guys are – they're, they're young, they're cheap, um, and they. Who am I going to replace them with? I mean, we right. could start there. Um, I got Sol, uh Solzato. He's just about ready. He's twenty-one years old. I could give him a call and say, "Come on up," and I think he'd produce here. Part of it is where do I play him? Part of it is he's twenty-one. And I'd, I'd rather, you know, under the Lou Lamarillo way, I'd rather call him up later and have him stick than bounce him back and forth.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand and I can agree with that. I don't um, want to start his clock. If his
0: clock was started, it's correct. a story.
1: No, and I think – I agree with you because I I think, like you said, I think he could come up and be a viable option because his contact is so ridiculously high. The issue is, as I'm sure that you've probably found out, just through my, you know, doing kind of mass simulations, you know, like, for example, like 20 years or whatever to try and accumulate data because, as you know, that's what I do for work. So that's what I'm going to do in the game. It does seem like power is the last thing to develop, and the the stat that he's the lightest on – is power so I think I think you bring him up now he's probably a guy that hits 270 but he's probably only going to give you six to ten home runs a year and if you look at what your corner outfielders are currently giving you it's like why would you start your clock for that when you have Morris who's going to be a 30 home run guy or if you look at left field Wilcott you know he's he's probably a 25 or 30 home run guy and they're both probably going to hit around 270 anyway
0: Right. And I can't get and I can't get him. I don't think I can get him in center field. I don't think he, he I don't think his numbers would justify moving him there. And and that then becomes a, you know, now I got a situational problem. Right. I got left field, I got right field, I got first base, I got the age. Where do I play the guy? And right. he, when he comes up, I also believe that when you come up, you should play. Yeah. I'm, I'm not looking to call somebody up
1: to, you know, to be a his backup kind of to potential. play like once every once a week.
0: <laughs> right. Get your bats down in AAA. And I'm not looking to make you a platoon player. Right. You know, that's that's for older players. So that that be, becomes a thing. I, I I need a spot for him. And to give up on this season and and move Morris, well, I don't want to, but I, I might need to kickstart the offense.
1: So let me ask you a question here. 2019 was the first year that the PBA started. Is that accurate? Correct. Who was, and I probably could have looked this up. I know Tim Johnson was your second round pick and and he's been nothing short of fantastic for you. Who was your first overall pick when this league first started out? And two part question. And when you started the league, did you ever envision the league being where it is now and being as um, active as it is?
0: Um, I um, might have been John Walter. Um, it was an outfield, high gap, high power, high contact guy. Um, might have been it. Might have been Walter, and I think I got him in AAA. It could have been, it could have been Cortez. Um, I'm not even sure I can find that.
1: Oh, no, it, it's, it's, Cortez it's not. Garcia? Okay. Yeah. It's not a problem at all. Um, nope. I, wasn't I, was him. Just, I was just curious. Cause I know that, you know, Mike has said multiple times just how stacked that first year draft was, you know, and obviously you got your cornerstone first baseman in the second round. So I'm just wondering, you know, all these guys, like who was the guy that you passed up Johnson for in order to grab in the first round?
0: It was John Walter, who I just uh, signed this offseason to a triple A contract. And I traded him away um, at some point. I think I traded him to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken.
1: You, you uh, might have, you might have.
0: <laughs> nope to Kentucky. It was a cash deal. There must have been more to it. Right. And I'm looking here three million for one million. So I'd have to I'd have to try, oh, I'd have to look back.
1: Not not a problem, Gary. Let's talk <coughs> about the history of the bombers, though, real quick, because you started off this uh, league real
0: hot. Hang on. on, we hold that question because your other uh, your second part to that. Oh, that's was, right was did I envision where we were going to be and um, the amount of activity and without without sounding cocky, the answer was yes. Um, I knew what what GMs in OOTP and how they behaved, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the guys that came over, came over from, you know, followed me over with an invitation from another league. Um, we all know which league it is, correct. And so I knew the the level of participation there, and I knew what I would I knew what I was going to get out of that. Um, looking back, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of those guys are still here from that other league. Uh, there was nine, ten. I got a, let me, there was at least 10. Let me see, where's the unhide? And I knew what I was getting out of them. Seeing how people were on the forums and how in other leagues I was in, just a common denominator, people get, They get sucked into this, this, this fictional world in this universe. And it's like, they just, they just run amok and it's great. So I knew if we got this thing rolling, that's what, and where we'd be with, with the amount of activity. And I was fine with that. I, you know, I'd rather hear their footsteps than not, you know, when you don't hear people complaining about stuff, you know, you got problems coming.
1: (laughs) Right. No, that's, you know, that's
0: a good point. <laughs> so, so as long as people are talking, I know they're, they're satisfied. Um, and I also knew what I wanted out of a the league. Um, there, there's a Stratomatic Baseball League, and I think I shared it with you because we kind of talked about it last week. That's been around since 1974. They used to do play-by-mail instructions, like snail mail. Wow. And they ran, with 12 guys, they ran a summer league and then a winter league. The summer league was national. The winter league was American. And with 24 teams, it worked out just about right for how many teams there were back then. They're still going on today, as far as I know. They still got original members, as far as I know. And I left this league somewhere around 15 years ago. And when I was in it 15 years ago, it was 30 years old. There's a Stratomatic League that I was part of, Somworld, an original member. Um, I ran the league for many years. I turned the league over to a friend of mine. He's still running it. I tried getting him into OTP, just won't happen. And 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 that league has been going on since 1970. I'm sorry, 1997, I believe. 97, 98. So that's at 22 years, 23 years now. I wanted a league that would be longstanding, that would be stable you knew what you were getting into and what you signed up for and that you'd want to be here. Um, I didn't want anything with any crazy rules that were tough to, to follow. I wanted something that was, and and I was talking with Scott about this last week when we met up, there was, there was a vision I wanted, but I wanted everybody also to take ownership of it, that it wasn't just Gary's league. It was, there was, you know, it was Brian's league, it was Mike's league, it was Bob's league, it was Jeff's league, it was Jacob's league. It's, it's, I wanted something where everybody had a say to varying degrees, though, based on when you were here. Again, being part of not just the ABL, but other leagues where you get a small contingent of people coming in, making rash decisions. And all of a sudden either rules are tough to get out or the people that put those rules in, you know, were there for a hot minute. And it became, well, now that they're gone, why do we got to keep this rule if most of us don't want it? And the constitution says, blah, blah, blah. That's why the, that's why a lot of the, the, the wording in the constitution which by the way, I keep in the commissioner update to remind me to do it, maybe tomorrow. Um, as I digress, look, squirrel. Um, but that's why inside the, the constitution are the rules where those are there. Um, my falling out in the ABL was quite public. I went about it the wrong way. I stand by what I said. I said it, I make no mistake. You know, I called the commissioner's integrity into question. And to this day, I believe it. You know, you don't put a rule in or have a rule that was voted that we weren't going to do. You go and want to make a trade with somebody using those rules that we're not doing and then just fall back on. Well, I can't I can't regulate it. I can't keep track of it. Well, clearly you can. I do it. It's not right. really that difficult. So you know, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. And rules are there for, for, for a reason. And if you're, if you're going to be the commissioner of a league, you better damn well follow them. You shouldn't be the one to break the rules. I just went about it in the wrong way. He knew what buttons to push. He pushed them. I wasn't going to let him get away with it and not get away with it, but I wasn't going to let it sit. He lit the fuse and I blew. Oops.
1: (laughs) No, I, I hear you. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's uh, to a benefit to a lot of us because I've told you this many times, but I'll say it again. Um, You know, I've done football simulation. I've done um, a lot of that, but a guy at work, you know, when um, right before COVID hit and we knew we were going to be at home, he said, Hey, let's, uh you know, let's start a little league. This, this is called OTP. And I'd never heard of it. Never didn't know anything about it. And he's like, you know, it's baseball. And, you know, I'm a sports guy, I'm more of a football guy than a, than a baseball guy, but you know, I'm a sports guy. I'm like, you know, I, I said, Hey, let's do this. And probably a month after, we all signed up and started, you know, doing this. There was probably 16 of us guys. Um, they all kind of one by one started to fall out. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not quite done with this yet. You know, I'm, I'm just starting to kind of understand what's going on here. And uh, I reached out to you and you were gracious enough to let me play in the league when, you know, I mean, not that I know anything now, but when I really didn't know anything, And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the GMs in the league have been very gracious and as far as giving time and, and, you know, resource as far as, you know, as far as, you know, answering questions and and uh, replying to messages and things like that, because, you know, for somebody who's brand new uh, OTP can be very, very overwhelming. Um, and this league in particular, you know, I've told you, I play in multiple leagues. I don't think that there's another league out there and I'll include the league that you left because I'm in that league. Um, I don't think that there's another league uh, on the planet that does a better job of making it feel like a community um, than the PBA. It, it yeah. very much feels like a community. It very much, um, you feel like there's no dumb question. You know, you can ask any question. You may not always like the answer you get as far as somebody, you know, may differ, you know, their opinion may differ from yours, but that's, that's what we're here for is to be able to have, you know, you know, uh, an open dialogue and be able to all express our opinions because, you know, my opinion can be right until it's proven wrong. And if I say, Hey, you know, draft this way and you keep drafting the way you're doing and you keep coming out with top five draft classes, eventually I'm going to take notice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, no, I appreciate that. It, 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 was, it was one of the mindsets with, with who I asked to come over and knowing the pieces I was putting together. Yeah. I didn't know everybody was going to stay or if everybody was going to leave or if it was going to – I knew what I wanted. And, and I just looked it up. There were 13 guys that came over. so and, eight of them were eight of
1: them are still here. Yeah, Eight of them are still here.
0: Right. So, I mean, that's great. Uh, one of them came back, and that would be Cleveland. Kevin, right? Kevin, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we reached out. We had, I reached out to some uh, uh, Mike Russo, uh, Francois, when he was here, he reached out for Christian. I wanted Christian. I made a point to ask him to, to reach out to him. So there was, there was a bunch. It was, but I knew that everybody was willing to help. And I said this to Mike and I learned this in business a long time ago. You could do everything Mike is doing. You could ask him for his plan, especially like in the ABL where he can do no wrong. You, you can ask him everything he does. But if you change one little thing, you've changed the recipe.
1: That's right.
0: And you're not going to get the same results. That's you might right. hire the same coaches. You might do this. You might do that and do everything else. But, you, but you're like, you know what? I don't like this and right. I'm changing that. You're going to change the results you get. And then from there, it spirals.
1: Right. Yeah. You don't set your sliders the same. You don't set your, you know, restrictions the same, you know, days off the same. Yeah. You, you don't use seven day lineups as opposed to. Exactly. Like, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. That's, that's honestly though what I find the most intriguing about OTP is just the versatility of the engine and the fact that you could literally give everybody the New York bombers in this league and you would see obviously varying results because I could take the exact same team that you have right now and maybe they end up being, you know, 10 and 35 and you're like, Whoa, actually, yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Or vice versa. It's, yeah, it's listen, definitely, it's definitely gave, like that.
0: If we gave the New York bombers to the other 23 GMs and did one of these sandbox seasons, I would probably come in last with this team. <laughs>
1: You give yourself too much credit, sir. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you can't write this stuff. No, it makes no sense. You know what? It definitely, like I said, at this point, like it kind of feels like the Steve Young, the Super Bowl, like remember when they show the picture, of, like them t- like quoting, like per- tearing the proverbial monkey off his back. Even when you win a championship, it's going to be tearing that monkey off your back. Listen, Just-
0: this, is, this here is Tony Romo with Dallas needing the extra point to win the game and the, and the snap getting flubbed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that is what it's like, right? Like even when everything seems to, you know, seems to somehow kind of go perfectly and everything is, 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 you know, quote unquote right in the world. It's like something miraculously falls apart at the end that just is inexplicable, uh, and, and, and you don't even know why, but it, but it happens anyways. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is Jim Rome interviewing Los Angeles Rams quarterback, Chris Everett.
1: Right, right. I'm going to come across the table.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the Cleveland Browns drafting Johnny Manziel.
1: It might be too soon for that one.
0: <laughs> <Ooh>. Sorry, Kevin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so... I do want to ask you, though, a little bit about the the bombers, the history, and then get in a little bit of actually the OTP mechanics. And as a veteran, ask you some questions for for our – some of the younger younger players as far as experience um, because I did get a few questions from other people that I thought would be interesting. But I did want to share this fun fact with you, you know, just, just to apparently, you know, drive salt in the wound a little bit more. But you'll feel, you'll feel good because I'm included in this category.
0: Yeah. We so, don't carry Band-Aids in our pockets, by the ab- way, or for these Knicks. We carry salt.
1: Absolutely. But according to our OOTP research team, which includes me, there is only three teams in the entire league that have never finished second or higher in their division. Would you care to gander who those three teams are?
0: Um, I'm going to the say. The Jeopardy me,
1: music's going behind us right now, by the I,
0: way. Uh, it's let's see. Me, Palmetto, and I'm going to guess you.
1: That is absolutely correct. Seattle, New York, and Palmetto are the only three teams that have never finished second or higher uh in a division race now obviously you 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 did have some success right out of the gate making the playoffs three straight years um each of those years finishing third or fourth um but you also play in a division that's that's pretty tough you know i i, I do too at this point but you do play in a division with with vegas and and even bob you know he's having a little bit of a down year right now yeah, but, but we all know here. how talented we all know how talented he is he's back and, in it yeah. And he's, that's what I was going to say. And he's, he's, you know, he's moving up here quickly, but Fucker. how difficult uh, do you find your division? Do you think that all the divisions uh, at least right now are fairly equally talent wise, or do you feel like, you know, and you don't have to say the specific division, but do you feel like if you played in a different division that you would have more success?
0: Um, I think, I think that's the ebbs and flows of a division. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with who's doing what, Um, you know, what two seasons ago, Tampa was in, I think, dead last. Um, Now I'm going to have to look that up, but um, it's the ebbs and flows of, 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 of the league. He went from 64 wins to 85 in first place.
1: And he was actually fourth. He was actually he was actually in last place four years in a row before that. So you're absolutely right. So yeah, three, three four years of bad luck, probably top ten picks, and he's been able to turn that around. And I I mean they've got a pretty right. solid team now.
0: But that's where Toronto was very good and fell off the table. I think in that same six, sixth place to first place, uh, Tampa Bay year. Kentucky was up mm-hmm. there, but they were due to come back. Cascadia i mean you got you got three champions out of the eight right there
1: that's true yeah so, and i think I think Kentucky's actually won it twice correct correct
0: cascadea once that's Corey. um on the other side you got I think Christian with two, Vancouver with one. is that correct? Yes let's see anybody else uh Dublin's won one, so they got there's four there. I mean, when you get super teams, and what's a super team? I would say anybody over a 667 win percentage. Mm-hmm. And you could even make the argument over 100, but 108 wins is a super team. Okay. To get to 108 wins, you need a team with 100 losses in that okay. division. <laughs> no, it, but, I mean, from, from a commissioner standpoint, the ideal season is zero teams losing 100 games.
1: Because, and zero teams winning 100 games.
0: Because, exactly. And that, that then means that the division is winnable by anybody. You're never out of it. And every team has a flaw. And there's no super team. And, and dynasties are not good for leagues. If I feel I can't beat you, there's no reason to stay in this. The, the, whatever going on with the game is not allowing you to compete.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's some leagues that, have, that are like that. Well, if I don't get this guy, there's 15 more just like him. So one is no different than the other. Um, so that, that becomes an issue. Like I'm just going to talk about mine here. Las Vegas being so good is is great. He's he's 19 games over 500 right now, but I'm 12 under 500. Yeah, we've only met three times, but then you got Orlando and they were they had a my God my well, my sorry. May my May was there April right wouldn't you, Wouldn't you know it guess guess who Guess who played Orlando <laughs> right around May first
1: right. Yeah,
0: you, you, Spoiler gotta alert. Track.
1: you try to yeah. help to get them on track. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, that's what I'm here for. I am not here for me, I don't want anybody to think that I am here for me. I am here to make sure that your team gets it, gets it, gets in gear when I come to town. Nice. If you got problems, talk to my people, have your people talk <laughs> to my people. We'll come to town. You know what? We'll even host you, we'll, we'll put oh, you nice. up in a nice hotel feed you a nice continental breakfast. You got to put your own schmear on the bagel, but that's okay. You come to town, you walk away with two wins.
1: That's right. Right. That is, that is, right. That, that's, that is funny. Because uh, I know that it's been tough sledding as far as trying to get serious wins. I, I, I do want to ask you, uh, like I said, I have a couple questions here that I do got to ask you. Yeah. So the first one is, and this could be just totally blind luck. But I do find it fascinating. So if you look at the history of the league, and in particular, the champions. You so,
0: mean 7-1 for the French side?
1: Correct. The French side has won seven championships to only one championship for the ARL. Do well, you clearly, think that we that have is, idiots
0: on our side.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that that has to do with dumb luck? Is it better pitching on the the frl side like what would you attribute that to because i haven't been here since the beginning
0: um let's see dublin won the first year they just had a good team but i don't believe there's been any team that you could walk in and say oh yeah this is a team paris is i believe their first championship they were an 84 win team
1: that year I want to say you're right because I've heard the, the kind of quote-unquote stories. 87, they were 87-win team. I mean,
0: 87 doesn't scream, you know, world champion, you know, world beaters, you know, knock us off the pedestal. And then they took another four years before they won their second. Right. So you, you're not seeing the same team come up every year. You're seeing a different team. Which means if you do just, if you correct some of your, if you plug some of your small holes in your dam Mm -hmm. and you build the wall a little bit higher, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to be able to withstand, but it depends on who you match up against.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I just, I just think it's dumb luck right you think,
1: now. You, do you feel like – I mean, obviously, I, we, we all know that there's a certain amount, a certain degree of luck, if you will, because there's a game engine involved. But do you think that – do you think a lot of it has to do with how you match up in the playoffs? Absolutely. Having the
0: first-round buy is, is huge. You don't have you, – you have four less games that you need to win. You, you're not putting relievers at risk. You're not – Right. You're not going up against, you know, maybe a one four seven super pitcher, but you know, and then hope you don't cough up, you know, two three five and six. I mean, there's, I I just I think matchups definitely help. I think winning the division is 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 a clear advantage. Um, I think Which on the French be. side, and on the French side, I think with the ballparks having such being such. So skewed uh, to favor lefties, to favor righties, to take away homers, to give more triples. I think matchups there are are definitely in play. Home
1: field advantage, would you – I mean, outside of, let's say, Montana, but you would definitely say the FRL home field advantage is much more significant probably than the ARL? Yes. Okay. That's fair. I do have three questions and these are questions from GMs. Um, and, And some of this stuff, me and you have already talked about previously, but I want to get it out there because these were things that were asked in lieu of knowing that you were going to be on the show. So I did want to get these questions out there and answered first question with the stat status and the health of the league currently, uh, is there any thought to, and we've had this conversation, but is there any thought to uh, expansion in the future? Why or why not?
0: No, 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 no. Um, Expansion. The problem comes in with expansion in existing leagues. It's great bringing in four new people, but, your I'll, I'll finish this and then go into another thing. The, 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 the history of bringing in a GM and keeping them is almost, I got to go through three GMs to keep one. Right. I might get lucky and it might be two to one. So if I want to add four and so keep four GMs, I might be looking to go through 11, 12, possibly 13 different GMs through the form. Not really what I'm looking to do. That's part one. Part two is the finances. Um, The eight people in this league that are in the other league, as well as anybody else who's gone over there that I have no idea. You take a look at the finances there with $300 million budgets. Mm -hmm. Part of that is due to the expansion and con subsequent contraction. And I'm, I'm guilty of this because I, I was, I was instrumental in a lot of the rules there while I was there and felt that that is why a lot of them are the same in this league. I know it, I knew it worked. I knew what didn't, but what I didn't realize then was by contracting some of those existing teams, instead of doing a mass change in in basically trading player for player and then contracting the official expansion team. Let let me make it, let's do it this way. You got teams one through 24 in expansion, A, B, C, and D. What was done was They contracted teams 23, 24, C and D. What they needed to do was trade all of 23's players. And we're talking 170 through the, but it wouldn't work because of the international complex. Trading 23 for team C, contract team C trade 24 for player D's team and contract player uh, team D. Then rename 23 and 24 to what they were. It's a long process, but anybody that was there during that first expansion remembers $60 million budgets. They weren't growing because the teams sucked. And... All of a sudden, other teams balloon to $240, $250 million.
1: So it creates creates a huge disparity between the upper echelon, if you will, like how basically how real baseball is the way that, you know, the only way, you know, you have teams like the Rays who seem like year in and year out. Yeah, but but here's
0: where it was worse. Here is where it got, where it really got bad. And, anybody who remembers having Troy in our league or that league, he blew a gasket when he got hit with a $60 million tax bill because of the revenue discrepancy. It used to be like what we had and, and we're lucky that Christian found it last year and we're still suffering a little bit, but we're on the right path now with, with revenue sharing. And I, I'll put up something uh, uh, at the end of, uh, at the end of May in in our league. But just bringing up, trying to bring up last year's revenue sharing. In 2025, the top team paid 32. And that was based on a, a flaw in there. Last year's revenue sharing was 18 million for Paris. And that was with the playoff money. Correct. Still not what we wanted. Not what I envisioned. But... 18 million. Now, all of a sudden, you end up taking the bottom teams and you cut their revenue in half. All of a sudden, your tax bill is through the roof. And that becomes a huge, huge issue. So, no, you know what? 24 is a nice number.
1: No, it makes sense. And you know what, when you explain it like that, I, I you know, I, I know that it's a conversation me and you had had previously, yeah. but I can totally understand. And um, you know, I understand that, you know, a lot of people feel like, Hey, things are going so well with 24. Let's increase the competition, increasing yeah. the amount of teams doesn't necessarily increase the amount of competition. It actually a lot of times increases the amount of disparity between the haves and the have nots. Absolutely. In a lot of
0: ways And, and, you know what? What I envision with this league is going back to that that stratomatic league. That league's name was Esom, E S S O M. I want us to be around, and I want it to where the twenty four of us decide we want to stick together, and maybe go one year, two years, before, calendar years, which is ten seasons, without going through you know a recruitment process, right. and. If you think I'm kidding about that that's what I envisioned. There's a reason there's a longevity bonus inside the pinpoints. points.
1: Right. They
0: I thought that I want I wanted to reward us for staying together. It, it, there was an incentive to stay together. So that was where that came from and and before we go on going going through i was part of the problem with the contraction because we couldn't find anybody to stay there the teams were bad and i didn't realize and have the forethought to take a look at what the financial implication was by uh, by contracting existing teams versus right the expansion teams so i was just as guilty as the other 22 there plus the GM, uh, plus the commissioner of the league. So I'm not saying that I'm smarter than anybody with that. I'm not. You just, you learned,
1: you learned from mistakes that you had in in past leagues.
0: Right. And, and I, and I wasn't going to do that. And as for running leagues, um, this isn't the first league I've run. I've run other leagues in, in other sports, other games, other venues, Fantasy football, dart leagues, um, Stratomatic—I mean, right. even that little spinner game. You know, we had leagues. <sighs> right. So it, it, this wasn't this wasn't my first go around. It's not my first rodeo.
1: So I thought that this question was interesting. So I'm, I'm I included this in the uh, in the conceptual uh, conceptual questions that I wanted to ask you, and I truly don't. I think I know the answer to this, but I wanted to include it. The question the question question basically asks uh, Gary and uh, it seems like when this league first started out doing some research, um, I noticed that it seemed to be very pitcher dominant whereas now it seems like it's very much a hitter's league. Uh, Any thought to allowing created players or something like that? And I'm pretty sure the legacy thing will address that, but um, I just wanted to throw that out there to you. That was a question brought to us by a GM.
0: Uh, Created players is a never. Um, Again, you you live and learn. Um, In the other league, that was – that, that, that was a fabric of it, but when you start taking a look and these guys going around 15, 20 years and you're adding five of them per season, it's like, wow. Um, here's what I think happened. And again, it's an opinion, you know. Um, for those of you not from New York, by the way, when I, when, I, when I give an opinion that's strong, it just means it's still an opinion. It's not that my way is right. Um, apparently I've been told that, you know, my my offering up a suggestion <laughs> comes out often that this is the way it's gonna be done. No, apparently it's the not.
1: PBA the PBA public service announcement person prep Gary for this interview is what he's telling you.
0: Yes, my, my <laughs> yeah, my PR department. They did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> okay. You Sorry know, about that. Go ahead. Jewia cheat and how. Um what was the question again? Oh, uh, creative players. No. Correct.
1: They were asking, they were asking if there's any thought to uh, creative, creative players. players but no. I do want you okay. to talk about the legacy draft because I think that that could be potentially something similar. Here's what happened. Here's what I think happened.
0: 2019 was the first OOTP that we used, Where it was OOTP 20. We're in our second game engine, O 21. First, the first engine we started with, 21, I'm sorry, 20, losing my marbles, was the first one that really worked on having openers in the game engine where you could op- set up who's an opener, who's a follower, how many batters. So I believe it was all or mostly relief pitcher rich. So there weren't many great starters at all. However, the GMs, I would say, were mostly old. I wouldn't even say old school per se, like going back, like me going back to baseball in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, even so far as having Randy Johnson throw 300 innings. I think it was more 2000, 2001. And... like the two thousands, two thousand tens that started seeing more of the Joe Madden rays with the opener and seeing more relief pitchers being created. So you so the game I believe was looking at having three or four inch four inning pitchers versus six or seven innings. Makes and, sense. If that makes any sense. No, that does. That makes and I sense. Think, but I think we were using them as six or seven inning pitchers, expecting those kind of results,
1: and the game engine was moving away from that. Do you feel like, though, like in the last, like let's just say, you know, because I've only been here f- five seasons since 2023. Do you feel like in the last four or five years, though, that, um, the drafts have gotten, because this kind of ties into another question that I have, but um, does, do you feel like the drafts have gotten uh, lighter on talent, whether it be at the pitching side or the hitting size? Do you feel like they've stayed pretty consistent? Um, What's your thoughts on, you know, that as far as how that may have contributed to what we've seen, you know, like, for example, like what we see today?
0: I think the, the draft classes in and of themselves are on a pendulum. And I think this past draft, we finally saw infielders. We started with pitchers, I would say, the last three or four years, uh, the first three or four years, to make up for what wasn't there. And then I think the, the next two were primarily outfielder heavy. Maybe three were outfielder heavy. There were some pitchers in there. And then this one was more, it seemed like there was more middle infielders. So yeah. I, I haven't looked at what's coming up in 2028, at least not recently enough to recall, but I think there's more more infielders coming. And that's not to say that there weren't first baseman because there's always first baseman. You could find one. I mean, if you look right now under your keyboard, you could probably find a first baseman sitting there.
1: Yeah, and you know what? You're right. It does seem to kind of go in waves. Um, I think, you know, I I can only speak from my own experience. I can tell you in the the last couple drafts, it felt like there was – you know three plus star guys you know that you could potentially get in rounds maybe one two and sometimes even possibly round three i think the thing you know and this is just my take on this but i you know just based off the question that we're getting i think the thing is is that you have to understand that the potential rating is dynamic and that what you're seeing right now is not necessarily where this player is going to be in the future if if your scout says hey I'm showing them as a two and a half star guy, but they have, you know, a twelve hundred OPS, they're hitting three thirty with a four fifteen on base, and they're hitting thirty home runs a year in high school. Probably not a two and a half star guy if they continue on that trajectory. So I do think this is one of those things where, you know, as all of us as GMs, we have to do our own individual homework and not just look at the stars, if you will, because right. looking at just looking at the stars, I wouldn't say, you know, my own personal opinion, I wouldn't say that the draft has been lighter on talent the last couple of years than previous years. I would be willing to say though, that I do think like you said that the, that the majority of the talent has come at certain positions, right? Like corner outfielder or, like first base, you know, that we, we have definitely seen that trend over the last couple of years. And as you mentioned, we we seem to have a lot more middle infielders this year, but I think that if you're drafting, well, you're taking, you're taking whatever is given to you. You're just going to take the best player because most of these guys aren't going to play for probably two or three years, at least anyways. Right.
0: And, and, and looking at some of what, like their stats that they're putting up, who are they putting them up against? Right. Inferior players. And I mean that—that that goes back to, you know, some of the 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 some of the ridiculous numbers that that makes Bill twitch at night, like Montoya's home run total.
1: <laughs> don't but even again, get, if, you don't if, even if, get him started.
0: <laughs> yeah, by the time he hears this, I'll I'll have a head start. That's true. <laughs> but but you you take a look if you're using you know at that point relievers that. And this ties into what you're saying in the, in the way of a high school player hitting 30 homers. If he's doing it against inferior talent or talent that's not being utilized properly, yeah, he's going to dominate.
1: But- right. I, I would say, though, this is the one caution that I would give. And once again, I, I am not claiming to be, uh, you know, the, the messiah of scouting. But a lot of people look at high school and they look at college guys – And a lot of people like the younger guy, right? They like the guy that has, you know, maybe more upside, this and that, where a lot of times I'll look at college guys. And if they're performing at that level versus college, you know, college level players, you know, I'll take that also into consideration. But the one thing I will say is if you get a high school guy hitting 20 or 30 home runs, like that's eye popping because college, I want to say college are the high school kids. Unlike colleges that play like, 60 games, I want to say the high school kids only play like 20 or 30 games. So if you get a high school kid that hits, you know, 20 plus home runs, like that's, that's probably blue, you know, color coded power right there when it's all said and done. Um, because that's, you know, that's, that's a huge number. That's, you know, that's like one home run per game basically.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know. Let me let me give you another question here, uh, and this is the final question from the mailbag. And then I have a few other things I want to wrap up with you. But uh, final question from the mailbag, and this is a, another question actually that performs that pertains to talent evaluation. Um, newer GM says they're they're wanting to get your opinion when scouting players, and this is something I normally ask people on the you know be my guest podcast, but when evaluating players. How much do you take into consideration things like potential versus stats versus level of competition, which is basically everything that we've been talking about? So just expand on that.
0: I want to see them perform. Like a guy I was trying to peddle earlier this off season that I thought we'd get a little more play, um, Clay Hendrickson. So he's four stars overall. I'm, as per OSA, what I look at is what his ratings relative to in in that level. So he's two five in a ball. All right, I just I just want a ballpark. If you're two and a half at at that level, I I can feel confident that I could probably move you up, and I'll look right. at another guy next. But I want to see what you do stat-wise. Last year, he went 0-11 with a 794 ERA in A ball. I'm like, all right, 20 starts, 73 innings. Clearly, he was going four innings a game. But the, the numbers I really want to look at were homers, walks, and strikeouts to nine because that's what he controls. Does he throw a fat pitch down the middle? Gets, you know. That goes 900 feet before it's a ground ball. (laughs) Um, Walks. Is he able to find home plate? Is he able to throw it over the plate? And strikeouts. Does he have the stuff to blow past people? So last year in A-ball, 1.1, 9.4, 6.8. Really not good numbers, but that was okay. It was his first full year in, quote-unquote, professional baseball. This year, 1-3, and three, 8 starts, 45 innings. So he's going a little bit longer in games. His whip is down from 2.25 to 1.69. I like that. Homers per 9, he's down 0.1. Walks per 9, he's down to 6.8 from 9-4, which is uh, 2.6. So he's almost cut his walks by a third. Right. Strikeout six eight to eight two. All right. To me, this guy is borderline ready to go up. And I can I can feel if I was in a pinch to move him up, I'd be okay with it. Because he's improved on all of his A ball numbers.
1: So you're get... just strictly then, and I and I don't I don't mean to cut you off, Gary, but I oh, just want ahead. to make sure because as a newer a newer GM, we got this question I want to make sure everybody understands. So you don't care about what the star progression is. You don't care about what the stuff numbers are, the ratings. You're strictly looking at, like you said, the numbers he can control, home runs per nine, bases on balls per nine, Ks per nine, and maybe, you know, the adjusted FIP, if you will. And you're looking for improvement year over year. When you see that improvement, whether it be significant or not, that's when you, you, you basically determine that this player seems to be ready for the next level.
0: Right. I mean, this one guy now, he still doesn't have lights out stuff. He's still walking way too many. But I'm looking at him that he has improved over last year at the same level, which is a year older. So I could could make an argument to move him up. But stars are just that. They're banded players based on OSA's ratings or what your scouts' ratings are. They put all the starting pitchers together, they put all the relievers together, they put all the first basemen together, all the catchers together. If we went by um, by player rating and have them banded like that, so out of the top 500 players, the first 500 would be five star. Uh, the first 100 would be five stars. The next hundred would be four stars, so on so forth. Three
1: star two, yeah.
0: You would have no catchers there that were five stars <laughs> because most catchers aren't in the top 300. And if you do, he's a rare
1: bird. Right, because you're, you're 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 talking specifically. About the fact that catchers typically are not offensive juggernauts now, from no, they'll also up-
0: only play seventy-five percent of the time.
1: Yeah, that's due true. to due,
0: due to rest and and they 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 fatigue more easily. They get, you know, that's why in real life they're not catching one hundred and fifty games. I think even going back in the day it was one hundred and forty.
1: Right, right. And
0: and if it was higher, it was due to being that they were used as pinch hitters on their day off. So,
1: it's fascinating.
0: So that's the way the league works with overall and potential. Now, the other guy I got that I'll bring up is a guy I got in double A. And again, I look at stats and I want to see how they're doing. Um Boyo Boyoa Boyoa Bayoa Yoya
1: Yep, shortstop. Right
0: I can't even tell you where he's from. <laughs> All right. When I look at him in his relative ranking ratings, his star ratings, he's two and a half five in double A. He's two five in AAA. Now, two five Hendrickson in A is the equivalent of two five for Bioya in AAA.
1: So he's more developed.
0: No, they're same two five.
1: No, no. But what I'm saying is uh, where, where Bayoya is in double a, he's the equivalent rating. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. So he's further along in the process, even though they're the same quote unquote rating, because he's that, he's that equivalent rating at the next level up.
0: At, right. At his, no, at, at, I had him in AAA for a minute and for a hot minute. In AAA, he's 40% developed based on his ratings. In ABL, Hendrickson was 40% developed. Got it. Hendrickson, I can in, in ABL, but Hendrickson's doing very well in Able. His ERA plus is up, his war is up. Everything is in the right, going in the right direction. When I went and moved Boyoya up into AAA, being a two, going from a two and a half, five to two, five, he shit the bed. (laughs) He was on pace for 66 homers in double A when I moved him up. He, He was a slash line of 310, 377, 651 in double A with 12 homers and 129 at bats. Now, if you look at what he did in double A, And the month of April. Right. I just got to change a setting here. Um, Eight homers, 16 RBIs, 338 in 17 games. Right. So he was at 1.122 OPS. He's cooled off a bit as he's only, OPS is 924 right now. But when I moved him up to AAA, he just didn't hit there. He went from a three ten average to one eighty eight, and it was only a half a half star of development difference. Mm. Now his contact and gap aren't great, but his power is off the charts. So absolutely, I mean he's a Rob Deer guy. Oh, he's yeah. going to strike out. He might strike out as many t- twice, maybe three times as many times as he hits a homer.
1: Yeah, but
0: he's going to hit his homers.
1: Right, he's he's going to be a forty five fifty home run guy. Like you said, but he may have 140 strikeouts.
0: Oh yeah, he'll have he'll have a whole lot of nothing to go along with it. any walks.
1: That's true. So
0: the, this here is a guy that, when you look at you know star ratings, well, if two five in A ball works, and two five in double A should work, and he should be able to right. move up, or it should work in triple A, and at least give you an average ball player. He he's not an average ball player at two five at triple right.
1: a right which i think
0: yeah and i think there's a little more pitching which goes to why hendrickson didn't do so well in a ball last year that it was more a hitters league based on the drafts that we've had over the last three years so i think there's some of that going on as well
1: all right, I got one last question for you, Gary. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time. I know I've kept you on here quite a while. My last okay. question for you is – And by uh, the way,
0: my answer is not always right. I know that when I sit there and listen to you guys, like when I'm listening to somebody else, I'm like, eh, I'm not really feeling that. And, <laughs> and you know what? Again, that's that's part of the beauty of this game. I can look at it. Th- Maybe that's why – anybody who's disagreeing with me, feel free to comment below. Yeah, um, because clearly, clearly I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Come <laughs> on with your next question for my so opinion piece.
1: Last, last question for you, because clearly you've been in baseball simulation forever and you've played in OTP specifically for a long time for newer, for newer GMs. I'm just going to say like myself, you know, that it may be only been playing a year and is still figuring this thing out. What is, what is... You know, one or two pieces of advice that you would provide that you th- you wish that you would have known when you first started playing OTP.
0: Uh, don't ask one. Ask questions. Um, two. Embrace saber metrics because that's what this game. That's what this game is, and and that's that's part of the settings that we have with this is that we're using saber metrics versus you know, traditional baseball stats. Um, but definitely ask questions. Look at, look at people who have had success. Um, Mikey hasn't shown it here yet. Um, and, and that's for whatever reason. Um, Bob has. Christian has. Uh, Rusa has. I mean, ask them what they're doing. Don't be shy. And when, when people ask me questions, even on the side, and I probably did it with you too, I said, make it public. Ask it publicly. Right. Um, and, and that was a twofold reason. One was to get the activity up. I didn't want to be the one answering all the questions or having somebody not give a comment about something where they were around. And because I was there and I was going to answer, well, they'll just wait for me to do it. But, but the other reason was I'm, I'm not the – I don't have the success here that some of the other guys do. And and with that being said, you know what? Get other opinions. This isn't, this isn't like needing Tommy John surgery or you tore your ACL. You don't need a second opinion when the MRI clearly says what's wrong with you. <laughs> now it's just a matter of picking who you want to do it. Right. This is clearly a second opinion because we're not really sure what's going on behind the scenes. You know, it's stratomatic, I, you got the card in front of you. You count up to one hundred and eight. You know, dice chances. If you got a guy with fifty-five, he's going to yeah. succeed fifty-three times out of a hundred. You keep rolling him out there.
1: Yeah. I I think what you just said, though, I think really is big, right? Because I think that this is something that I'm just going to say, I'll use myself, right, as a newer player that I kind of struggled with. And this year I've kind of bucked the trend. And I'm going to use a player that I picked up from Cologne in in the Rule 5. So I I grab a guy named Jerry Ward. He's a a two-and-a-half out of two-and-a-half-star prospect, which, you know, in this league is probably not average, even though I know it's kind of quote-unquote average. Most people, you know, obviously are rolling out three-plus star guys, but all he did was produce in spring, and so far, Now granted, not a big sample size, but all he's done in 167 plate appearances – eight home runs, 22 RBIs, 323 batting average, a 397 on-base percentage, and a 960 OPS. Like, I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off, but at the same time, if you don't give some of these two or two-and-a-half-star guys an opportunity uh, to surprise you, then they they never will. If you're going to constantly keep in, you know, the guy that's, you know, 33 years old because you're scared to death to put in the – Two and a half star kid in in AAA that's that's been doing well, um, you know. Then you're not you're you're playing you're playing the game by the star ratings, not necessarily by the stats, like you said. Like I, I have very little care for the star rating, and I I know you know this, but I mean, last year in the playoffs, I started a pitcher that was a two star pitcher, probably the only person that's ever done that. But he was an extreme ground ball guy, he doesn't give up home runs, and he actually ended up winning that start. So I I base almost solely all my opinions off of the stats and not the stars, which is, you know, probably the thing I'm most famous for at this point, which is the reason why Rich Nunn didn't make the the 40-man roster, because he had horrible luck versus Cologne, and I didn't play him. Now, granted, I'm not saying that that's the right decision. I'm just simply saying I agree with you. Like, you really have to dig into the numbers yeah. and really dig into what these guys are able to do for you. Don't tell me what the guy can't do, if you will, like a coach would say. Like, what can they do, right? If they're going to bat 280 but they can still use 60 bases, there's, there's a place in the league for a guy like that.
0: Yeah, and when you look at Jerry Ward, you know what? you got a lot of left-handed pitchers on your side. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of ballparks that favor left-handed hitters. And this guy checks off a couple of boxes. I mean, you look at his platoon split, I 381-288. Mean, he's playing against lefties, and he's not embarrassing himself against righties. Correct. So far. Uh, yeah. And, and that kind of, I mean, he's not going to win a gold glove. No. He's not going to win a stolen base title. But he's going to – he's, you know, if, if you're looking at him like a hockey guy, you know what, he's a third wing – he's a third line left wing.
1: Right, and you know what, you can't – you know, the, the bottom line is, is whether you're a championship team or, you know, a run-of-the-mill team, n- nobody can have five-star guys at every position. Like, every team needs a Jerry Ward. Like, you have to have guys that you can get, you know, two or three war out of that aren't going to kill you, but they're that are also on league minimum type deals. So, I mean that that's that would be my thought process. Oh, to, absolutely. To that question is, you have to find the hidden talent. Look, it's really easy. Whether we're using my team or your team as an example, it's really easy to go. You know what, Zach Jarnigan, he's going to be a starter for me, right? Or to say, hey, you know what, uh, uh, over over <laughs> over on the uh, the New York Bombers. Tim Johnson, he's gonna be a starter for me. What's harder is realizing the talents of the guys that are two or two and a half star guys that can help you that are on league minimum deals that are going to be able to fill out your team. Whether it's the fourth infielder, the fourth out or the, the fifth infielder, the fourth outfielder, you know, the relief pitcher that that's really good at one specific thing. Like that's what makes the difference in my opinion between the winners and you know the average team.
0: Yeah. For your guy, Ward, I have I have Craig Tedesco. Yeah. Mine's a right-handed batter, but he hits left-handed pitching to, to an OPS of 1.08, and I got him at 500,000. He's projected Correct. to be 2.8 WAR. I'll take that all day long.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, That's where the real value is, right? Because we know that once these guys go to free agency, like me and Mike have talked about, Free agency dollars—you're usually looking at about eight million dollars per war, and if you sign them before, then you're usually looking at about four million dollars per war. So, if you can get two or three war on a league minimum deal, like that's the best deal you're going to find in baseball. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) from a value standpoint,
0: your guy Ward and my guy Tedesco are never going to get that.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely not. But I'm saying, like you were saying, whether it be Tedesco or Ward, every team needs a guy like this because you can't fill out a complete roster with Tim Johnson's because there's just not enough salary to go around. You have to find guys like this in order to fill out that roster. So... Gary, I've had an absolute blast and I've had a pleasure sitting down and talking baseball and talking shop with you. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to it again here in the very near future. Um, Do you have any any, uh, closing comments or anything before we get out of here? No,
0: I'm 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 pretty much good to go. You want me on? Just just give me a little heads up, me, and we can talk about whatever we, we need to.
1: Listen, we're absolutely going to set something up. Maybe at the All Star break for me, you, and Mike. I think it's important. We'll maybe hand out some mid season awards, things like that. But that's all the time we have for the PBA Poddammit podcast and the BR Guest Series finale here with Gary Altman, the PBA Commissioner. Thank you so much, guys, and have a great day. Thanks, Gary.